0: Sign my sign sing ya nabi salam alei
1: Actually the world doesn't have any meaning. Right. The world is the world. It's just a composition of material components and neutrons and protons and chemicals and, and energy and matter and all of that. There is no transcendent meaning. You know, it's just the world out there. Just take it as it is.
0: We're listening to Ibrahim Calling and Sammy Youssef on Reflections Podcast dot com on YouTube.
2: Mr. Ibrahim Karlin, it's an honor to have you with us. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. I've been following all your works. Um, You're an intellectual. You're a philosopher. You're an academic. You're in the highest office in your country. You're doing so many great things. And you're a really great musician. (laughs) Brilliant musician. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, for this very kind words, which I don't deserve, that's a reflection of the beauty of your soul. Thank you. And I've been a big fan of your work. Uh, what uh, doing through your music has been really remarkable. It's it's more than music. It's really a journey uh, along which you've taken so many of us and have shown us a beautiful place and and uh, and light in times of darkness and hope in times of despair. Uh, so thank you.
2: I, I, I want to ask you the million dollar question. How is it possible to do all these things? I mean, brilliant in so many different areas, but still grounded in the modern world in light of all the clutter and sound and noise, it's a better word, that we hear in the world and all the problems of the world. How do you stay grounded? How do you find that balance?
1: Well, um, I mean, as I was growing up as a child, I always thought that I have to be grounded in something in order to do something if I'm going to travel, I have to start somewhere and I have to have a destination, a sense of direction, whether uh, you know, you go to the grocery to buy something uh, or uh, you set out on a journey to get uh, you know, knowledge and then scholarship and, and and become a professor or a professional in any field. You have to have a goal in mind. You have to uh, have some idea, the purpose for which you are doing all this. And this really brought me back to uh, our traditional concept of wisdom or hikmah. And when I studied the Muslim philosophers and thinkers and, 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 and theologians and Sufis, uh, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion that uh, wisdom is really what should be guiding our actions, our thoughts, our feelings, our minds, our hearts, because uh, wisdom is uh, uh, the purpose for which we do anything. Whether you are a physicist or a doctor or a politician or a scholar or a poet, you have to have an explanation for what you're doing. And that's part of our quest for meaning, because we are beings driven by a quest or search for meaning. We cannot do anything without meaning. Right. Uh, the, the nihilists have claimed in the modern world that, no, actually there is no meaning and we just have to live with it. Mm. Uh, but deep down we all know that yes there is a question of how to bring out that meaning realize it in your life make it available to others yes that's a big question but we cannot live without meaning we know that meaninglessness cannot be an answer to our quest for meaning Uh, even logically of course you can say meaninglessness itself is a response or is the meaning but you know it's it's self-contradictory it's it's not really logical And uh, so I've tried to, you know, make a sense of what what I'm doing. uh, And all that brought me to uh, a kind of a multidimensional understanding of reality. My reading of my own existence in this world uh, and everything else, from politics to music, from academia to social issues and and other things, uh, gave me the uh, insight into the fact that Reality itself is multi-layered therefore my response to it needs to be multi-layered too meaning that if i cannot reduce reality to one single component of it which i cannot logically because the world is so rich reality is so multifaceted i have to have the intellectual spiritual artistic abilities capabilities capacities to respond to different aspects of reality because uh, to be honest with you you know, we, of course, we are lost in this in this world of uh, uh, noise and, and, and over speeding and overdoing everything. Yes. And we always need a time for self reflection. We need to pause a little bit. How do you do that? It, it's hard because the, the world passes by you. It's you know, it's moving too fast. But as Tolstoy once said. If you are running in a beautiful garden, you cannot see any of the flowers. You just have to slow down sometimes. Just stop before a rose uh, or a tulip or uh, or lily or something to witness uh, the beauty of that flower. Uh, if you're just you know passing through and you know running and rushing, etc., uh, you're not you know you're not in a garden. You you miss you miss out on so much. You just have to slow down a little bit, but you do it in a way that you know you don't obviously neglect your duties. you don't fall behind uh therefore you concentrate on what is important you have to have priorities you know you can spend all your time your days on you know secondary stuff and on uh i don't know uh, you know all kinds of things that distract you from the real issue but if you have a sense of direction a a meaning a purpose for which you're doing all this i think it's possible that you uh, manage your time better. And actually, God gives you uh, blessings uh, and actually it increases your time at your 24 hour And it becomes, you know, much more than just a miracle 24 hour. And there are moments, I'm sure you have all experienced, or you have experienced this, we all experience. There are moments where you feel like, you know, just a moment, 10 minutes or one hour is worth days of uh work or conversation because it's so concentrated it is so deep and substantial um and i, I always felt like a uh, time temporal time in which we live as finite human beings is a drop from eternity you're always committed to eternity you don't realize it but there are moments in reflection in contemplation in music in spirituality in prayer or uh, in the face of a major, major event, a loss, a trauma or something where you feel like you're touching eternity. You know, you're connected with that eternal moment uh, in, an, in a moment of extreme love and affection. You know, your love for your child, your love for your uh, wife or your husband or your, 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 your parents, etc. You feel, you feel that moment also that, you know, you're connected to that moment of eternity. And all these things, you know, bring in and infuse more baraka, you know, into into your time. You know, it, it, it kind of, it becomes a, a self-motivating thing that, you know, you, you try to make sense of what you do, you try to infuse your actions with meaning, you want to do something for which you can provide an explanation. You know, I'm doing this because I have a good reason to do it. Right. Uh, and... Uh, And this is especially difficult in a world in which we are told whispered into our ears that actually the world doesn't have any meaning right the world the world it's just a composition of material components and neutrons and protons and chemicals and and energy and matter and all of that there is no transcendent meaning you know it's just the world out there just take it as it is But we know deep down you know we are more than that as human beings we search for that meaning and uh and wisdom provides a value, uh, you know, for us to figure out how to uh, reach that meaning and realize it in our lives. And uh, uh, in our tradition, again, uh, which I believe was the tradition of the West for a long, long time, too, Yes. Uh, you have the unity of what is true, what is good and what is beautiful. That is logic, okay. ethics, and aesthetics. They were one unified reality they were never separated from one another if something is good then it is true it is based on truth and if it is something good and true it must be beautiful too and if it is something beautiful well it must be based on truth and goodness now of course we have a a very different set of priorities a very different value system where what is good what is true is measured by say, profit, productivity, efficiency, uh, quantitative, numbers, bigger, bigger is better, Uh, numbers, statistics, we've lost the quality uh, in our lives, and the quality of life has left us. Now, that's why, you know, the educationists are talking about, well, you have to spend quality time with your children. It's like... You know, uh, the rest of the time you spend with them is is, is not without, is, is without quality. And, uh, you know, they get poisoned and, and they become toxic with all these images and messages and all of that. Uh, and then you spend time, quality time, to clear that up. It's too late. You cannot compete with the speed of the modern world, social media and, you know, uh, uh, instant gratification moments, uh, pleasures and all of that. You cannot compete with any of that. You just have to bring that quality uh, as a mode of life, you know, into your time and space. Otherwise, you know, spending so-called quality time, say, even if you can, even if you can do it for one hour or so a day, which I doubt many people can do, uh, given their busy schedules, etc., uh, you, you lose everything. Therefore, wisdom, hikmah, in our traditional sense of the term, you know, uh, reminds us that, no, what you do must be based on truth, that it must be true logically, it must be based on goodness, it must be good ethically, not evil, it must be based on virtue, and that it must reflect, you know, the beautiful aspect of existence. Aesthetically, you you have to surround yourself with beautiful things so that your mind and your heart can function in harmony. Mm. And beauty is never a luxury. Today, in the modern world, beauty has become something you, you, you buy and sell. That's right. It's As commercialized. As it, it is something expensive. Only rich people can have beautiful things, say beautiful objects uh, or houses. That's so wrong. You know, beauty in the traditional sense was never, uh, first of all, a commercial product. Uh, a mosque was built or uh, a carpet was weaved, woven. Uh, for the sake of its sacred meaning and beauty, not for selling or turning it into something commercial. Mm-hmm. Of course, someone had to sponsor it, pay for it, no doubt. It had its own you know, market logic, but it was never an object in and of itself for sale, right? Uh, calligraphy, music, and all these things were meant to add quality to our lives, help us in our search for meaning. Right, right. Uh, so when you listen to music, when I listen to your music, for example, or the music of, uh, you know, great Western composers like Bach and Vivaldi, and even before them like Corelli and Telemann and many others or other great musicians from the Muslim world, Musret Fethi Ali Khan or Ummu Gulthum or, you know, many, many others or from our folk tradition like Neşet Ertaş, Aşık and many other great great composers and musicians, you know, what I see in their music is that, well, they're all on a journey they're showing us the path that they traveled and inviting us. Mm. Say, if you like, this is, this is what I have. You can come and join me. And, uh, you know, you can look at the different experiences in that journey. So all this, uh, you know, uh, gives you uh, a sense of unity. You try to look at things from a, a more unitary point of view. Therefore, uh whether, as I said, in my case, for example, yes, I serve uh, as an official in the government. Uh, you know, I write books. I try to play music and, and try to explain what I do to people. You do more than try to play
2: music. You do more than try to play music.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's very kind of you. I am mean, hearing this from you is, is very kind. Thank you. Uh, so o- all this, um, you know, makes sense when they are together. And when I separate them, compartmentalize them, they lose their integrity but we all want to live a life with integrity intellectually but also in terms of our heart and feelings
2: you've said so many things you know each <laughs> thing is opening a new door you've got philosophical which is lovely i'm a student in this area you're a, you're a you're a ustad. you're a uh, accomplished teacher you talked about different realities it reminded me of a quote by one of our sages that which is lacking in the present world Is a profound knowledge of the nature of things. What is reality in itself? And as you said, the different layers of reality.
1: Well, it's a very good fundamental question. Uh, Reductionism is one of the philosophical diseases of the modern world. We tend to reduce things to one component of a huge system, thinking that it will help us control it. Not explain it scientifically, it's a function of control. Uh, because if you keep it simple, then you can control it. You can manipulate it. That's been the driving force behind many of the reductionist, scientistic ideas, uh, unfortunately, in the modern world. Because, uh, you know, uh, modern capitalism is driven by the idea of control. Right. If I can control you, I can define you. Then I can sell you more products. Right. That's the bottom line. I mean, it sounds very gross. But believe me, at the end of the day, that's that's the logic behind it. Because, you know all these uh, statistical uh, studies and psychological studies on social media, behavioral patterns and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, all these trends and all these things, uh, they're studied in order to figure out what you like and also the ways in which I can influence your taste, your preference, so that, at the end of the day, I can sell you more products, right? What? I want to sell you more. Unfortunately, that's that's modern capitalism. and. So control uh, becomes uh, a function of capitalism, and science, knowledge, uh, investigation, all this becomes a function of finding different ways of controlling you and uh, the customer. And in fact, suddenly human beings become customers. We are no longer human beings carrying the light of the divine within our souls, but we are just customers, right? We are either customers or potential customers. Only two kinds of people exist out there for capitalism. Now, uh, control issue is related to simplicity. If you can, if I can keep it simple, that is reduce all this complexity to one or two components, then I can control, you know, by pushing one button and that's it. I mean, remember what happened in Truman show, right? The way, you know, his life was set up, uh, that, you know, he, he was controlled in so many different ways, his life. And uh, he didn't know that he was set up, he was part of the setup, that he was living uh, a life of a lie, a life of uh, a, a constructed being, uh, constructed only for the sake of TV so that they can sell products. And, you know, there will be a moment when, you know, they will show uh, a product, you know, his wife comes to him and says, I, I want to uh, cook you this uh, macaroni today, but it's actually commercial. Yeah. You know, it is so inhuman Now, this was Truman Show shot, I think, some 30 years ago. Today, strangely enough, everybody wants to be part of the Truman Show with social media. You know, I want to share everything, every picture. I want to put it out there. I want people to like it. And I, I, I want to live another life on social media, on virtual reality. I mean, it's terrifying. When uh, I mean, you think about it, what happened to your privacy? What happened to your own self? What happened to your own identity? I mean, you're just redesigning yourself every single day according to the most current fashion and trend and, and, and all that stuff, you're no longer yourself. But modern capitalism actually uh, provides the means to make it happen so that I can control it. The point is, reality is much more complex than to be reduced to one of its components. As our Muslim philosophers and many others like Heidegger in the Western tradition have said, uh, existence, al-wujud, in the philosophical sense of the term, is more than uh, the total sum and collection of individual existence. That is, you know, I am more than a collection of my organs. I am more than my hands, my, my, my feet, my eyes. Yes, they are part of me. They are me. But when they come together, I am more than my my organs, right? I thought, you cannot reduce me to my hand or eye or ear. Yes. I I am a whole when each is distributed equally. So if that's the reality, that's the nature of reality, then I have to understand reality uh, at different levels. Uh, At the material level, yes, there are tools that I have to understand the physical things Yes, I do. I have this glass here. So, I mean, that's how I respond to it. At the level of ideas, then I I use my mind, and that's how I respond to that reality. At the level of imagination, you know, the world of imagination, for example, this is, in fact, an experience of in in a sense. I mean, you are there, you are on a screen, I am on a screen. We are real, but not real. We are kind of traveling between different levels of reality. So, I respond to it through my imagination. Uh, Poetry, music, religion, metaphysics, and novel, you know, all these things respond to a particular aspect of reality. If I reduce all this complexity to one single element, I miss out on this incredibly rich nature uh, of reality. I think this is one of the things that uh, we are forgetting in this modern world. Uh, And we are forgetting the fact that uh, simplicity is not reductionism. Uh, you can be very simple isolated. with incredible complexity behind it, because uh, as as they say, simplicity is the ultimate complexity. You know, it, it uh, you know you you, you want to do it in a simple way without reducing it to a single component or element. Uh, it's like, for example, your music, right? I mean, you, you sing something, you carry a a, a a feeling, a sentiment, an idea, you know, in that in that that song. Uh, and it's a little journey. You're inviting us to join you there, and uh, sometimes musicians also feel this. Like the, the best moment you reach is the simplest moment uh, in a musical tune. It's not this very complex, you know, the, the, the type of thing, but rather a very simple sound, which actually, in my view, is a reflection of the celestial sounds. You just bring them down here, or they kind of let themselves to come down here wow. and connect with it eternal sounds uh that's how i you know when i when i hear great musicians great composers uh, i feel like they just went up to the heaven brought this down and wrote it on a piece of paper and and uh, and and played it 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 sounds so uplifting so spiritual so deep but it cannot be this cannot be reduced to simply some physical chemical actions or reactions in my brain It, it will be insulting the human dignity to claim that this is all about these chemical things happening, you know, in my mind. Why are they happening in this way and not in another way, right? You talked about so many things again.
2: Each one of those uh, illusions open new doors for questions. I don't know if we have time to talk about this, but could you maybe talk about why, especially in the West, why this desacralization process took place and why the trajectory was somewhat different in other traditions, say in the Islamic tradition or the Hindu civilization or other civilizations, traditions. Uh, I'd love to know about that. And then I'd love to talk about music.
1: Yeah, well, very briefly, uh, the rise of modernity had everything to do with uh, the failures of uh, Christian theology and traditional Christianity in the West when uh, the Christian churches uh, stopped Providing convincing answers—that is, when uh, they lost their wisdom to explain why things were happening in that way—you um, know, other venues open up, uh, and, uh, and enlightenment, uh, you know, became the dominant uh, ideological trend and the philosophical outlook for the West, for Europe first, and then spread to the rest of the world. That's a long history, of course. You know, uh, I don't want to, you know, get us lost uh, in that in that history, uh, but it's, it is an important. Uh, part of our story because we've become uh, influenced by it and, and uh, our minds have been shaped you know by all this uh, uh, grand uh, generalizations even the, the, the words, I mean terminology we use, you know, they call everything uh, medieval dark ages I'm sorry yeah. well it wasn't that
0: We were listening to part one of the Revelations Podcast. Dot com on YouTube, the Revelations Podcast. With Dr. Sammy Youssef and Dr. Ibrahim Colin K-A-L-I-N Colin Ibrahim I-B-R-A-H-I-M and Sammy S-A-M-I. Yusuf Y U S U F on YouTube and other streaming platforms we'll continue with part 2 in a moment i'll I'll read from the Quran chapter 30 the Romans section 3 manifestations of divine power in nature verse 40 Verse 20, excuse me, verse 20, chapter 30, verse 20. And of his signs is this, that he created you from dust. Then lo, you are mortals who scatter. 21. And of his signs is this. That he created mates for you from yourselves that you might find quiet of mind in them. And he put between you love and compassion. Surely there are signs in this for a people who reflect. 22, and of his signs is the creation of the heavens and the earth and the diversity of your tongues and colors. Surely there are signs in this for the learned. Verse 23, and of his signs is your sleep by night and by day, and your seeking of his bounty, surely there are signs in this for a people who would hear and twenty four end of his signs is this that he shows you the lightning. For fear and for hope. And sends down water from the cloud. Then gives life therewith to the earth after its death. Surely there are signs in this for a people who understand. 25. And of his signs is this, that the heaven and the earth subsist by his command. Then when he calls you from the earth, lo, you come forth. 26. And his is whosoever is in the heavens and the earth, all are obedient to Him. That's the definition of Muslim. All in the heaven and the earth are submitted to God. All in the heaven and earth are Muslim. 27. And He it is who originates the creation then reproduces it and it is very easy to him and his is the most exalted state in the heavens and the earth and he is the mighty, the wise. Thank you for listening. We'll continue now with part two of Sammy Yosef's interview with Ibrahim
1: It Wasn't that dark first of all? Yes, there were dark moments, but there are dark moments in our modern history too. I mean genocides, the holocaust, two world wars, chemical weapons, weapons of mass destruction uh, and all of that. Well, these are very dark realities, but we don't call this age, you know, dark age. We call it the uh, information age. We call it uh, now many other with many other names. But uh, the reality is 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 that uh, Uh, When a great tradition stops asking the right questions, it begins to die. This is true for all traditions. Same happened in the Islamic tradition. For some time, uh, members of the Islamic tradition, scholars, luminaries, intellectuals, intelligentsia, and others, stop asking the right questions. They either stop asking questions, saying that, We don't need this. This will uh, take us too far afield. We're going to lose our faith, etc. You cannot stop human thinking in the name of protecting the faith. Because if you do that, faith becomes devoid of content. And you lose, it it loses its persuasiveness. And 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 if you lose it...
2: And sentimental, it becomes sentimental. It becomes
1: purely sentimental. Yes, I... You know, I believe because I love my my family. I believe because, you know, I love our mosque. Mm. But when you are challenged on an intellectual basis, why you are believing in this tradition, why you are believing in God, why you are believing in the hereafter, and you don't have good convincing answers, then faith becomes sentimentalized. And uh, that's that's a big danger for faith. Uh, You know, because once you take away that sentimental element and put something else in it, that's it. It's, it's gone forever. Right. You cannot recover from that. So, you have to keep the intellectual principle strong. Uh, unfortunately, the Christian tradition in the 17th, 18th centuries lost that. Uh, they were not able to provide new answers. Uh, and another you know, uh, path was open in essence in the West, Enlightenment and, and the rest. Um, so, when, when you stop asking questions, that's a big danger for any tradition. And then when you start asking the wrong questions, that's another problem. Uh, You know, you you get lost. You have to find, you know, uh, what the right questions are. You cannot avoid them uh, so that you keep the tradition uh, alive and moving. Tradition doesn't mean that you mummify the past. Tradition doesn't mean that you simply have a nostalgic idea about what happened in the past. Tradition means that something very precious has been given to you, and now you're asked to do something with it right. and if you don't know what to do with it you are basically uh, betraying your tradition you're not giving its due if you take that tradition bring it today revive it revise it energize it uh vivify it and you know uh, and then add something to it and then you know you're part of a living tradition otherwise tradition becomes just you know history uh, what you need is, is not history. What you need is a living tradition on which you can shape your present uh, and, and, and future. Uh, it's only through that interactive and, and dynamic approach with – or uh, in a, a relationship with tradition that you know, we can benefit from the, uh, the great luminaries of the Islamic tradition. Uh, yes, Imam Ghazali is extremely important from al-Farabi to sadra They are extremely important uh, from Ziryab, right, in Andalusia, the great musician, to Mimar Sinan, the architect. Uh, but you just want—you just don't want to simply admire their work. You know, you want to learn from them. You want to engage them. Uh, I want to ask questions to Al-Ghazali and Farabi. And, uh, you know, I want to get answers. But then, you know, I have to ask the questions of the today, of the present day, uh, and come up with answers that will make sense uh, in that long uh, tradition of uh, thinking through, through reason uh, and through our uh, hearts
2: My question now is really about music. I love the way you play Balama. I love your Balama play. You. The last piece I heard from you was um, the Ashek Vaisal piece actually.
3: Oh,
2: yeah. Lovely and I did some research on him as well as a fascinating I was ignorant about his life um, Your voice is really unique Really unique because it's a it's, it's it's a it has this beautiful warmth um in the low mids and mid uh uh range and i don't know I love it I really
1: love your voice. I think you should do more music
4: thank you should you. release more
1: content <laughs> do you have an album thank you well uh, first of all, thanks again for these very kind words especially coming from you uh. Thank you so much. And uh, through your music, you put us uh, in so many different beautiful states of reflection and beauty and compassion. Thank you you so much. Thank you for doing this, Uh, because your music has reached beyond the Muslim world. I mean, uh, you know, it has become a global voice and uh, you've uh, accomplished so, so much, you know, with your music Uh, in a sense this. This is in tune with the spirit of music, you know. The, the word music comes from muse, as you know, and uh, and the muse is uh, what, in, what brings inspiration. And uh, once you have that notion of inspiration, meaning that, you know, you are simply not the master of what you're doing. You're giving something and you're sharing it with others. So it makes you humble, actually. You, you can never, if you are a true musician or master of anything, you can never be arrogant because you know that your talent is given to you. Mm. Your task mm. is to use it. Uh, in the most effective uh way uh and do it in a humble way so that you know it is graced it is augmented spiritually and when you share it it doesn't become less it becomes more because it's always almost like contagious right it it spreads from one place to another Uh, so with with music i always felt like you know it opens up so much in my mind in my soul uh that uh You know i uh begin to understand better the the meaning of the ineffable there are moments where you reach the point of the ineffable there are things for which there are no words enough Mm. to express what you have in your mind in your soul in your heart and you reach that point of the ineffable where you begin to say the most beautiful things you have to really go to that limit uh, beyond words so that you can start having a conversation in silence mm, sometimes so the most beautiful conversations happen in silence without words you are in the company of your friends your companions uh and uh, you just keep silent and that's the most beautiful conversation and you never ask why are we keeping silence something happens something wrong you never ask that question to the contrary. You enjoy the silence together yeah. because that's where the ineffable penetrates our minds and our souls and opens up so much. You say so much by not saying. Mm. Music is is the most important venue for me at least to express those feelings and ideas uh, and states without saying a word. Uh, you just hit the note, say something, you know, it, it, and uh, kind of it draws you inside and, and you begin to concentrate uh, on, on that moment. And then there is the beauty of performing it because especially with other musicians, uh, when you play with others, the synchrony, the harmony that comes out of that joint work is so beautiful. You know, you are yourself. You're always yourself as a singer as a composer or as an instrumentalist you are yourself but also you are with others you don't lose your individuality you play with others in fact they bring out the best in you especially if you are playing with good musicians uh they invite you they stimulate you they tempt you sometimes you know they do this you know you do this in the middle of the music right it's all uh improvised you don't you know, of course you practice, but, you know, there are moments where you feel like when you're part of an orchestra or group, uh, an ensemble, for example, you have this perfect combination of the collective and the individual. You're part of something larger than you without losing yourself. And when you play with other musicians, you feel like, uh, well, can I live my life like this? Not just playing this music, but... I'm part of a larger reality, my community, my family, my friends, my university, my country, and humanity at large. And I have that sense of uh, flow, you know, with others, without losing my individuality, my personality, but without becoming arrogant either. Because I know, you know, my talent becomes more valuable when I am joined by, by others. Uh, so, I mean, th- th- these are the things that... Uh, you know um uh, kind of inspire me when i when I do my music and listen to music play play music um and and convey this this sense of the ineffable uh through music uh which I believe as I said says so much than uh than any words you may choose
2: you still haven't explained how you do all of that though how do you find the time to do all of this to release music and singles and and then, you, you know, I mean, anybody who's familiar with your, with your work and life knows that you're prolific. You're very, very busy. You do a lot of things. How do we get some of that baraka?
1: In time, you learn how to do things on the go. Uh, when I was uh, at the university, I was teaching as a professor there. You know, I had my own time and you know, I could schedule my things and spend hours in my office, library. And, and right now, I don't have that luxury now. Um, so... Uh, I, I realize that, well, when I travel when I uh, you know go to places, official meetings and other things, uh, there are times uh, I can work on the plane, uh, at the hotel, uh, you know, and this and here and there. So I, I developed this, uh, you know, habit of doing things on the go. If I'm writing something, I always have stuff with me, you know, my books and my notes and my computer and things like that. I cannot carry my uh, saws, my musical instrument everywhere. But, you know, it's always here and here. So it's in my mind, in my heart. So kind of, I always play it, you know, even from afar, uh, symbolically or spiritually, so to speak. Uh, So, I mean, you learn how to do these things, uh, you know, in in time. I think, uh, and also spending less time on less important things. Right. um, You know, spending less time on social media, TV and things like that. I'm not saying that don't do any of this of course we cannot avoid them no doubt but do it in a reasonable way do it to the extent to which it is really necessary for you for your life uh, and then you know concentrate on, on on what is important what is really enduring uh, because we all want to attach ourselves to something that is enduring not something flimsy not uh, you know something that will be passé in the next five minutes on the in the next two days yeah. you know you want to you want to remain anchored in something that will give you uh, a sense of continuity, endurance, uh, a sense of, of fulfillment. Uh, otherwise, there is no end to these instant moments of gratification, uh, physical or, or sexual pleasures and things like that. There is no end to that. But there is no deep spiritual satisfaction in them either. There is no uh, answer to our deep search for meaning in any of this. We have to go above them beyond them, get a sense of uh, um, contentment and uh, um, fulfillment.
2: Thank you so much, Professor Cullen, for gracing us and honoring us and reflections. Given that we're in the pandemic, we're living these yeah, very, true. very unprecedented times, um, it would be lovely to hear a few reflective words, if possible.
1: Yeah, the COVID-19 has turned out to be a major test for all of us, for the world system, for the global order or disorder, if you like, for all the countries, uh, has shown that uh, there are no hierarchies when it comes to such major catastrophes. Rich and poor, big and small, eastern and western, US or the Middle East or Europe or Asia, doesn't matter. I think this this invisible virus, the virus that we cannot take with naked eye, you know, has brought the entire world system to its knees. And the, ho- the whole world system has tested positive. So we have to really take action to uh, learn some lessons uh, from this. It, it was good that, you know, we began uh, self-isolation, uh, social distance and masks and etc. But what's more important is to show the ability to move from self-isolation to self-reflection, from self-quarantine to quarantine ourselves from all that is evil, that is base, that is gross. If we can develop those, and I think we've learned through this process that we can live with less, materially speaking, less is better. Uh, and uh, as uh, Schumacher said many, many years ago, "small is beautiful." And I think we again remember that small is possible, is beautiful, is more meaningful. And it doesn't have to take a global pandemic, a disaster like this, for us to remember that, in fact, as human beings, we can live by being less dependent on what is lower than us, that is, material things. Let's depend on something that is higher than us rather than lower than us that will pull us down. So I think these are good moments of reflection for all of us uh, in terms of the, the overall purpose and meaning of our lives. And uh, we've been giving so many blessings. Uh, I mean, the fact that we breathe, the fact that we are able to speak, the fact that we are able to see, the fact that we are able to hear. It's time to understand how precious these are, to be able to see the sunlight, to be able to hear the, the, the songs of the birds, to be, to be able to touch, you know, the... Uh, a fruit that you're going to eat, to be able to taste a cherry or or apple and appreciate how precious and important they are and never take them for granted.
0: Thank you for listening to part two of... Reflections Podcast, episode 12, Sami Yusuf and Ibrahim Colin on YouTube or on any other streaming platform, and I wanted to add on to what we just heard. We have a little bit of time left. Wanted to add on another another segment from Quran. We read the Romans, chapter 30, section 3, 20 through 27. Manifestation, manifestations of the divine power in nature. We read it in English. In the Arabic translation, the best that I can do in Arabic is verse twenty, Waman ayati ha and. Kalako min turabi, turabin. duma idha'a antu bashirun tan tashirun. Wa min Yeti he and Kalaka, lacum and an and as what jal let us go Nu Ile ha waja ala banaku kuma wadaha tu war raham maha tan fi the dalika la yatim me mayata fakaruna. Winnie tu to... Women well, Aya yeah, Tihi Jalakos Samawati Wal well, Wa well, aktila Noon Al Sinati Kum Wa Al Wa. Inna fi thalika La Ya Til Lil Ghalim 23 Wa min Alati Mana mukum Bil Le حر وا إبتغاء حكم من فازيلي إن في ذلك لا ياتلكم من ما يس Maun twenty four wa ma wa min ayatihi yurikum il barga kau Kau fan meet the sea and shine on me You use vi hi ilar ta ba ta ma di ha in fi ta lika la ya chil le kou min mai ya yak Iluna mina, a yatihi, yatihi, an tukuma, misama wa misama, uwa, uwaladi. Be am Re He Da Da A Antum Yak Ru Ju'un Wallah Min Fisamawati Wallard Kullul Lahu Kani Bun Wahu Ladiyya يا ياب 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 Wahua ياب ياب Alehi Salul A Le Samawai Wal Art Wahu Wal Azizul Hakim That was twenty through twenty seven and sorry my Arabic is very rusty. I need lots more practice. Now, in English, again, we read that before part two, but it said in 20, verse 20, well, actually, I wanted to read this time. In the Romans chapter 30, I wanted to read 18 and 19 because I left them out the last time. And they're just as important. 18 says in English, And to him be praised in the heavens and the earth, and in the afternoon, and when the sun declines. In Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In Arabic, Walahul Amdu Fi wal Walad Wa Aish, wa Aish, wa Aisha, wa wa Aish, yān wa hina tuṣhirun. Nineteen. He English, he brings forth the living. From the dead and brings forth the dead from the living and gives life to the earth after its death and thus will you be brought forth Arabic jewel. Hi, Yi Minel, my iti wa yuk ritual. My ita Minel, hi wa yu yu il ardi. Bakhti Mo Wa Kazalika to to Rahim That's nineteen and then, and then eighteen, and to Him be praised in the heavens and the earth. And in the afternoon, and in the sun, and when the sun declines, and the note says, or when the sun declines, the five times of prayer are clearly indicated in this, in the previous verse. Okay, let's read 17, the previous verse. So glory be to Allah when you enter the evening and when you enter the morning Fasabana Allah Fa Subhana Lahi. He, he na fa, Subhanallah. He na tu, tu wa he na tu. and that note says the five times of prayer are clearly indicated in this and the previous verse the evening prayer comprise both the prayer <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> Evening. The five times of prayer are clearly indicated in this and the previous verse, the evening prayer comprising both the prayer at sunset and the later evening prayer. The five times of prayer were observed at Makkah and places at which the Muslims gathered for prayers are mentioned in reports relating To very early days. Of the prophet's mission. And then 19. He brings forth the living from the dead. Brings forth the dead from the living. Gives life to the earth. After its death. Thus will you be brought forth. And the note for that. This clearly points to the rising of a great nation from the Arabs, who were spiritually as well as intellectually dead. Twenty, and of his signs is this, that he created you from dust. Then, lo, you are mortals who scatter. Twenty-one, and of his signs is this, that he created mates, for you from yourselves that you might find quiet of mind in them and he put between you love and compassion surely there are signs in this for a people who reflect And the note says the close relation between the male and the female Husband and wife is expressed in words which indicate the closeness of the union to such an extent as to have misled many to suppose that the act of the physical creation of the female from the male is implied, but the Quran explains itself when it refers to the ties of love and compassion and to the quietness of mind which refers to marriage which refers lost my place but the Quran explains itself when it refers to the ties of love and compassion and to the quietness of mind which married person's married person finds in his mate the verse gives us the islamic ideal of marriage which serves the purpose not only of the in- increase of the human race but also that of the spiritual advancement of both the man and the woman, by referring to the quietness of mind, which they find in each other. And I have to add in my own comment and open a parenthesis and say, it just dawned on me that as I was listening to Ibrahim. And Sami talk on on the um, re- human relationships, male and female, and family and community relationships. This these very f- verses were open. I was reading these. I didn't plan that ahead of time. But these very verses were uh, very, uh, how can you say, compatible with what they were speaking. It happens, well, it happened when I was um, reading Bible verses and recording music at the same time, the verses and the music. Linked up together, even without planning that. So, I just wanted to share that to let everyone know um, that if if you if you think it's uh, something, it's not your imagination. It's not my imagination it's nothing I planned it's nothing that I'm smart enough to plan so you can see for yourself that there's a higher power than just those of us on the earth that's my whole point okay the other footnotes go with which verse I can skip 22 and 23 and 24, 25, 6 and read 27 again. And he it is who originates the creation then reproduces it and it is very easy to him. And he is the most exalted state in the heavens and the earth. And he is the mighty, the wise. And the footnote for that says Methal, M-A-T-H A-L. Methal, the word translated as state. S T A T E here means really Sifat, Sifat, S-I-F-A-T, Sifat, which means description, condition, state, or case. And it is then used as meaning a description by way of compassion, or a similitude, similitude. Okay, well, thank you for listening and thank you for tuning in to the show. Sorry, I'm in a rush, but the lines are so long everywhere. That I um, hate to leave you, but I gotta go. Until later, take care of yourselves. Stay well. We're listening to... Who's next? Looks like Sami Yusuf again. Azerbaijan. Okay, that's good. Beautiful song from his World Heritage Tour. Oh, no, not Sammy. Yeah, composer and musical director, Dr. Sammy Youssef. A timeless presence.
4: I don't